Hey there. I'm Sister Catherine Herms, author of Surviving Depression and Reclaim Regret, How God Heals Life's Disappointments, and the Just a Minute Meditations for Inner Peace and Deeper Trust. It's super to be able to spend these next few moments together with you. I believe that we need more than information to heal our souls. And so, as we always do, we begin in this way. I invite you, wherever you are, to realize that you are at this moment, right now, in the here and now, sustained by the unconditional love of your God. You are made, created, in the image of this unconditional love. You are a mirror of this unconditional love, and you are a visible manifestation in the world today of God's tenderness and merciful love that lasts without end. You are stamped in the deepest part of your existence with the DNA of divine love, and no matter what you do on the surface, Nothing can wipe away the divine coding of love that marks your humanity. Let's begin with a deep breath. Separate yourself from the worries of the day, the problems, the issues, the concerns. Separate yourself from reactive thinking from worry, from blame and fear. Slowly sink deep down into the very center of your reality, that place within you that knows most deeply that you were made by love and for love. I invite you to visualize a favorite image of God or of Jesus. You might remember a time in your life when you felt close to God, when God had been there for you in some way, when you felt in a strong way His presence. Settle into a deep stillness and open your heart. The night cloaked my room with a darkness that was penetratingly cold. The alarm clock pierced the silence with this loud, unwanted announcement of the coming sunrise. I fumbled quickly through my desk for a paper and pen to write down a dream I had had. I never remember my dreams, but this one had been too vivid to allow it to slip back into the midst of my subconscious. In my dream, I was in a room with a friend and had made it clear to her that we were not permitted under any conditions or for any reason to rearrange the furniture. While I was getting my coat in another part of the house, my friend had begun to move the furniture around with no particular attention to where the furniture landed. 
When I saw it, an immediate panic seized me when I realized my friend had not only changed the position, a bed, table, and chairs, she had created an interior decorator's nightmare. I jotted down the seemingly simple symbols and the following week shared them with my spiritual director, who encouraged me to bring the symbol of the furniture to prayer. The spirit, he said, often speaks to us through dreams, especially those that are so vivid. In our conversation, we decided the panic at the moving of the furniture definitely symbolized feeling out of control as my friend challenged my stodgy life decisions. I've got everything figured out and nailed down and don't need anything new to upset things. Thank you. A tiny flicker of freedom lit up the otherwise foreboding panic of change that was symbolized by the furniture, now lying helter-skelter around the room in a disorganized maze. Through the next weeks, as I prayed, the dream image developed in my prayer, and I realized that the room was flying, a symbol of transcendence, and also that the door was open. And that the friend in the room was actually God. And that God was now pushing the furniture out the open door. And to my horror, that God was actually trying to push me out the door. Ah, said my spiritual director. So God is not afraid to push the old man out the door. I ignored his comment. Grasping the meaning of the furniture became a contemplative odyssey. The symbol definitely had layers of meaning. One transformative discovery I made was that the furniture symbolized my self-concept, my judgments of myself, the labels I gave myself or allowed others to give me, my self-analysis. It's the mind's job to make judgments. After everything we say or do, our mind says, that was smart, or why did I say that? Or what is she going to think about me now? God instead was saying, out of the door with it all. I have no use for it. It has no real meaning. It is confining both of us in a box. It is prohibiting our relationship from developing. Since I didn't trust God enough to let him do it, I had managed to keep him from throwing me out the door. So with the furniture gone, the room is empty. Only God and I were left in that room, and I bowed before him. Not all dreams are messages of God. Some are just dreams or nightmares. However, there are some dreams that, that can be signposts for important shifts in our life. Have you ever had a significant dream? Can you recall any details of that dream? Have you prayed with this image or could you do so now? Have dreams ever been moments of self-discovery and in what way? In those days in which our, quote, furniture, unquote, is moved around, it is only natural that we try to hold on to what we have, the way we had it, 
Yet life has this way of not always conforming to our expectations or desires for security. Added to this, we find our Christian values challenged by society, as well as by the revelations of terrible offenses against children perpetrated within our own church. None of us can return to an earlier understanding, either as individuals, citizens, or Christians. A line has been crossed. The furniture has been thrown out the door. We are alone now with God in this sometimes frightening world in which we live. And this makes me think of the book of Revelation. It is in the book of Revelation that we read in chapter 21, verse 5, the words, Look, I am making everything new. The author of the book of Revelation, believed to be John the Apostle, calls himself a prophet. At the island of Patmos, he is given a series of visions that enable him to offer hope to his brothers and sisters suffering persecution in Asia Minor. The seven churches listed in the first three chapters of this book were seven cities on a single road. The book would easily have been passed from congregation to congregation and been read aloud to the Christians who needed encouragement in their suffering. The author recounts for his fellow persecuted Christians a vision similar to those recounted in the Old Testament books of Daniel and Ezekiel. When he sees the vision of the seven lampstands and a man holding seven stars walking among them, he falls at the man's feet. The author, who had lived through the personal, spiritual, and psychological hell of persecution and had refused to worship before the images of the emperor, now falls as if dead before this man whose hair is white as snow and whose eyes burn like flames. The man touches John with his right hand and says, Don't fear, I'm first. I am last. I am alive. I died, but I came to life, and my life is now forever. John, in this vision, teaches us three basic principles of healing. I call them worship, listen, see. These three basic principles are the initial movement of the furniture, so to speak, that begins our healing. Was there a time when God was working in your life and it made you cry? What was that like? Were your tears wiped away? Were they transformed? What were the circumstances of this goodness on God's part? So let us look at these three basic principles of healing one by one. Worship. First, God breaks through our self-concepts in sometimes unsettling ways in order to reveal himself to us. God acts firmly, taking things into his own hands and out of ours. 
We may cry in these first stages. One day, however, He will wipe away our tears. God is not afraid, quote, to push the old man out the door, unquote, to mess up the organization of our lives. What we think we are capable of doing, our plans that keep our fears at bay, the control we have asserted over others for our own self-protection. The response God waits for is worship, because ultimately it is not we who make new lives for ourselves. It is God who, just as he will create a new heavens and a new earth, makes us new. So long as our response to having our life shaken up remains anger, which really is a perfectly understandable human reaction, healing cannot commence. Therapy can help us with the anger. A spiritual director can explore with us our image of God. But eventually, we ourselves need to decide to worship. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you control your life or others' lives? And how do you exercise this control of yourself, situations, and others? What benefits do you receive from keeping these things under control? What would happen if you let go? What could be the worst thing that would happen if you did? And what are possible positive consequences of letting go? In what area of your life might God be asking you to relinquish control? As you think of this, how does it make you feel? What is your first reaction? And why? What would it take for you to be able to worship God who is making something new of your life? Listen. Second, when we take the risk to worship, we listen to Jesus' voice saying, Don't be afraid. I'm here. I control everything. I am the beginning and the end. I died and am now alive forever and ever. For the persecuted Christians threatened with execution for refusing to worship the Roman emperor, to hear the voice of one who died saying that now he controls the passageways of death was to hear hope. Now he lives. Death is not forever. Death has been overcome. Their death also has been overcome. They are held gently in their sufferings and born into eternal life. Mental illness, betrayal, financial struggles, failure are deaths in so many ways. Many lose their name, their marriage, their families, their friends, their careers, their self-esteem, their confidence in life. To them and to us, Jesus says, fear is useless. I'm here. I died too. I am now alive 
forever and ever. C. Third, Jesus invites us to look up and to see the one who is saying to us, I am. We need to stop looking at, at ourselves, at the labels we put on ourselves, at, at our own self-analysis, at our own judgments. We need to begin looking instead at the one who says, I am the first, I am the last, I am Alpha, I am Omega, I am forever. There is something larger than your struggle. I have a greater part to play in your life than what you are suffering. I know all about you. I have designs for your life, and failure or disaster will not stop me from making of you something beautiful, something meaningful. Truly, the only labels I am allowed to have about myself or others, even about the church, are the labels given by God. I see myself and you see yourself accurately when we see ourselves through the eyes of God. It is important to move beyond, beyond a vague concept of God to a more concrete understanding of God with us in the person of Jesus Christ. Just as the church was in the first century, we too are grasped by the powerful hand of the risen Christ who walks in our midst as the conqueror of death. When you have an extended time to go deep within your heart, either imagine yourself with John on Patmos or in some other quiet place where you can meet God a favorite secluded spot in nature, a vacation spot, or a sacred place in a church or monastery. Imagine that Jesus comes to you, angels surround you with song, and they bow at his feet, covering their faces. Take the risk to bow with them. Feel what it is to bow before him, to remain at his feet in adoration and trust. Tell Jesus what you are feeling. Say to him, Jesus, this is so, so exciting, so frightening, so awe-inspiring. What is it? When you are finished, stand up and look into his eyes and wait for him to speak to you. So here, let's stop. Be still for just a moment. Let the words you have heard take root like seeds in your soil. What do you notice stirring, emotions, resistance, reactions, thoughts? Are you being called in some way? What do you want to say to Jesus? 
What do you want him to know? Jesus has a word just for you, and in these few seconds, open your ears and your heart and hear his word to you. If there is one thing on which we can all agree, it is that the world needs this soul healing. When we're loved, we thrive. It's that simple. The truth is that you can walk free of the wounds that are binding your heart and suffocating your relationships. Healing and holiness is a process. It's a journey, and you are already on it. But if you are like me, you might need some simple helps along the way. I hope you join me on my private Facebook group for weekly video conferences. Just look up my name, Sister Catherine Herms. If you become a Patreon member, you will get immediate access to over 60 video and audio programs to help you grow in holiness as well as exclusive content and monthly journaling pages geared to help you on your spiritual journey. So I hope to see you around. Bye now, and may you walk amid the blessings of God this day.